Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Fear the Fincast with uh, Co-Manager. I almost forgot my name. Oh, my God. Wow, we're off to a rough start. We started on time. I forgot my name. That's how this goes. Uh, Jacob Sundstrom and Marcus White, Co-Manager editors of fearthefin.com. Uh, all right, let's start with the, the hashtag sort of breaking news. Um, Leon Dreisaitl was fined the maximum amount allowed by the uh, CBA, which I believe is $2,500. Is that right? $2,500? Something like that. Yeah, uh, right was, around. It might have been like twenty nine something Yeah, so not, not suspended uh, for uh, spearing Chris Tierney. Um, he got a few shots in before, he, uh, before the actual spear happened there. Um, I was not surprised. Um, by that decision, I guess I guess I'll start with that. Were you surprised? No, not at all. I mean, I think he he probably deserved a game, but I think the uh, just from what we've seen with the quote unquote repeat offender designation, um, which is really you know a, a supreme example of circular logic, if there is one, because how can you be a repeat offender if you've never been an offender? And I I think a fine. I don't know. I th- I think you know. It's just it's very inconsistent. It seems that fines are, uh, you know, are are fines really enough to be considered an offender? Are they not? Uh, you know, I I think there was there's a lot of you know people who are way more connected than you or I saying this was the right call, uh, because Drysital did you know get kicked out of the game last night. I mean, it is a match penalty, um, which you know I don't necessarily think that. You know, just because you got punished for doing it in one game doesn't mean it precludes you from punishment later on. I don't know. I, I, you know, from the Sharks' perspective, it stinks that Edmonton won't be missing one of their best players for a pivotal game in Game Five. Uh, but I can't say I, I can't say I'm too surprised either. And while it's not a decision I agree with, I, I don't really have a, a, I don't have a whole lot of energy to expand upon uh, how much I disagree with. Uh, to me, I think the the my biggest thing is that well, I'm not surprised because you know, the Department of Player Safety is a joke. It's what makes me most frustrated with something like this is that, and I've written about this before, is that the Department of Player Safety doesn't actually care about the safety of its players. Um, and the reason that stuff like this is a joke is that it's it's that where it's it's like you have to come back to why suspensions happen, why fines happen, why punishment happens. Um, the reason these things should happen, you know, in my opinion, is that it should deter future offenses. And the way that the system is set up now is that it doesn't actually deter future offenses. Uh, match penalties and $2,500 fines are not deterrents. Right. Um, and the thing is, is that in a, uh, an offense like this, you have spearing, especially if you look at the context of what's happening where Dreisaitl is absolutely intending to injure Tierney. Because it's not like he just... Uh, you know, pops him once where he's you know battling for a puck and it's a careless penalty. Right. Um, you know, he's going after him. He is intending to injure him. He is not making a hockey play. Uh, the dude is out there trying to injure Chris Tierney, you know, because, he, you know, I assume it's more of a frustration thing. Uh, you know, I get it. The guy doesn't have any history. It also doesn't really matter if he has any history. You know, I think that that, that type of logic is, is very flawed. Um. Yeah, one game is really it's really not very much. I don't even think that that's a very harsh penalty in and of itself. And I think the fact that it's uh, that it's in the playoffs obviously comes comes into play here, which it shouldn't. Um, yeah, that's the NHL again. Uh, 
And I think that, you know, to me, I think the message that this sends is that, you know, the Department of Player Safety does not take the safety of its players very seriously. Certainly and that's not head injuries. Certainly, certainly right. in circumspect, in, uh, you know, not circumspect, in uh, questionable hits and uh, issues, you know, that don't involve the head. But yeah, continue. Yeah, and to me, that's why it's frustrating. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, it sucks that, you know, from a strategic standpoint, it's too bad because it'd be nice for the Sharks to play against the Oilers without Dryside or whatever. But to me, that's right. the most frustrating thing is just that the Department of Player Safety doesn't take this kind of stuff seriously. Um, you know, that that to me is the is the biggest problem here. And I think too many yeah. people are, focused, are trying to focus on, like, oh, you know, he's the non-repeat offender, the, you know, oh, he only has this many penalty minutes. Like, I don't care if is a dirty player. You know, it has nothing right. to do with that to me. Like, I don't care. And I yeah, get it. Bad, that is the system. Player, like a dirty hit, you know, whether, right. whether it's intentional or not. And I think, you know, and I think there's there's something to what Dreisaitl was doing as a, you know, you know, cheeky's the wrong word, but like, you know, as a, as a like, hey, I'm letting my know, letting know my opponent, I'm here, and I'm you know trying to sneak in a, a, a you know a spear here and there, but you know he was below the goal line, right near an official, and I think pretty much every official on the ice had a great view of it because it happened like, it, this didn't happen behind the play, you know, this wasn't like, you know, even even like the Crosby one was you know a little more a little more subdued than this. The Crosby like Crosby's you know killing a penalty, I want to say. Uh, was that against Buffalo? He was killing a penalty, and then the puck like went the other way, and he, you know, he speared the guy again. Dirty play, bad play, uh, should be punished. I think beyond the uh, the fine and the game misconduct, because I agree with you. I don't think the fine nor the misconduct penalty are enough to really deter. I mean, it was you know it was a four nothing game. The I the Oilers the Islanders the Oilers were not going to win that game last night. Uh, so him doing that is he gets an. Like really, his punishment is he gets an early trip to the showers. Like, I mean, what's what's to stop him from doing that? You know, in another game that gets out of hand. Either way, whether it's an Oilers big lead or a Sharks big lead, what's to stop him from doing that again? If all he has to do is, you know, sign a paycheck, you know, twenty five hundred dollars when he's making, I want to say nine twenty five a year on a rookie deal. So yeah, I agree with you. Right. Uh, we'll get more into the uh, Oilers' embarrassing loss, but uh, I think already the most insulting thing that's going to be said about them tonight is you forgetting that they're not the Islanders. So yes. That- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Devastating. Yikes. Uh, All right. Uh, let's see. So so we had a couple of uh, comments. If you want to get in on the, uh, the live chat, which we have set up because we're broadcasting this live, um, unless you listen to it on iTunes, in which case uh, we're not. Uh, we do actually look at the comments. Uh, somebody actually asked that uh, already. Wow, it's only been seven minutes. We're getting dragged out here. Uh, we had a few comments on the actual post. Um, and the basic gist of it was uh, trying to make sense of how this whole series has gone. And I think probably right. the fans of both teams are asking this question. Um, why are both teams kind of you know showing up for one game and a, basically a totally opposite team showing up for another? I think this is probably most... Uh, shown by you know a team obviously scoring zero goals in games two and three and then scoring uh, seven goals in game four and I think that there is no simple simple answer for that um, you know I think some of it obviously just has to do with you know uh, good luck and bad luck but I think that you know obviously the Sharks did make some changes line wise uh, last night I think some of those paid off you know um, you know obviously some of it is just the Sharks having a very good night last night. The Oilers having a very bad night. And literally 
every sense of the word. Um, and, you know, I think part of it, too, is that uh, once the Sharks really started to get going, they had a good first period, at least first half of the first period. And I think then Martin Jones really bailed them out. I think Marcus and I were talking about this at the beginning of the show. I, you know, the Oilers really put on a push in that second half of the period. And I think Martin Jones kind of saved their bacon a little bit. Oh, yeah. Um, then the then the Sharks really had a lot of jump coming into that second period, got up big. And from there, you know, the Oilers imploded, which, um, you know, if you've been a Sharks fan for the, you know, longer than what? If you've been a Sharks fan for about five or six years, you've you've seen that before. You've seen the Todd McClellan playoff experience uh, play out in the, uh, the wrong way. Um, so I think that's probably a long-winded way to explain how, how a game like that can kind of unfold. Yeah, I think they definitely were – you know, benefited from some good fortune last night when they might not have, especially on the power play. Um, it didn't to- completely feel like they were really generating that much more pressure on the power play than normal, uh, especially of late. It's just that, you know, those shots were getting through and they were going in. Uh, you know, your hope is that that gives some confidence going forward, uh, especially for the top unit that had, you know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of power play help, uh, uh, not help, but a lot of power play success last night. Yeah, I think the other another big thing is, um, you know, Edmonton continued to march to the penalty box last night, and the Sharks. You know, at some point we were like, okay, they've been getting enough chances. When are they going to break through? When are they going to break through? And you know, even with the Sharks' struggles, you know, this year on the power play, they've had stretches where you're like, okay, this is this may be the 25th ranked power play, but they can still. Uh, have some success, especially if you're not operating at peak efficiency. And I would say that the Oilers were not operating at peak efficiency last night on the penalty kill. Um, you know, I haven't had a chance to really, you know, break look very in depth at the at the film or even the goals from last night. But I, I think, you know, I wonder if that's some structural issues with Edmonton's uh, penalty kill. But I think, you know, I think you're also see- maybe the reason there's you've seen such disparate efforts is you're seeing a Sharks team that is a little more comfortable in its own skin. And I mean that by having, you know, Joe Thornton now has two games under his belt. Logan Couture now has four. Both of them looked much improved from game three uh, in game four. I mean, you know, stats speak for themselves. I think Joe had a couple of assists and Couture had a pair of goals. Um, and, you know, that they, they on the score sheet, it bared out that they were a lot more comfortable last night than they've been earlier in the series. Now, I don't know how much of that is, you know, them getting any healthier or they're just now able to, you know, deal with the pain, uh, you know, tolerate the pain a little more. I read that Thorne, excuse me, Couture had another numbing injection in his mouth last night, which, you know, good gravy, man. That's just where the cage, uh, <laughs> that's what I, uh, at some point, but, um, yeah, I think, you know, they're just becoming, I think a little more comfortable. And I think I would say too, last night, uh, the Sharks' depth really outplayed Edmonton's. And that's something we talked about before the series as being a potential advantage for the Sharks. But uh, David Schlemko had maybe his best game as a Shark, period. Certainly his best game of the postseason last night. Joel Ward was great. Tomas Hurdle and Timo Meyer on the same line was a revelation. Uh, and it, it felt like Melker Carlson was, you know, finally – they finally found the right spot to put him – after four games too, uh, all the pieces kind of fell into place last night. And, 
you know, it's going to be interesting to see how much that carries over when the Sharks no longer have last change uh, in Edmonton on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I think to me, the thing with the power Thursday, play, excuse me, Thursday, yeah, Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> whatever day it is. Um, yeah, by the way, it's uh, Wednesday, April 19th, 2017. <laughs> uh, uh, we, we, got, we got that in 12 minutes late. Uh, I think to me, the power play, uh, it's not so much that the power play was necessarily a lot better than it was um, in previous games. I mean, it was better in that they weren't turning the puck over a whole lot uh, high in the zone. So right. that, that certainly it was good. Um, you know, Edmonton's penalty kill was just absolutely dreadful. Uh, but yeah. at the same time, uh, I just went back and looked, and the Sharks have now had 22 power up play opportunities in four games. Right. So a lot. Uh, it's going to be hard for Edmonton, you would think, to win a lot of hockey games if they, you know, average, you know, more than five uh, penalty kills a night. Yeah, we're, so, and that's, I mean, and that's the thing, too. You know, there, there was a lot of complaining about, you know, how many calls Edmonton was getting dinged for last night, but they're averaging five penalties a game this year. I, I believe I checked. I can check again, and I'll check now uh, so I don't look like an idiot. But I want to say they averaged around nine penalty minutes a game. So if they're averaging five minors a night, you know, they're really not averaging that many more penalties than they were in the regular season. So uh, it, I continue to find that uh, narrative emerging from our uh, from the media brethren up north to be a little uh, – a little a little comical to say the least yeah and i assume that some of that i mean some of those penalty minutes are probably coming from from fighting majors i think it's probably worth noting right 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 so i mean some of the some of that is probably at least a little inflated i guess but it, I, it's also probably fair to note um you know listen they call a lot of stick infractions early in the playoffs and uh Edmonton yeah. keeps committing them you know and i think it's also to me what's funny is that uh the sharks are getting called for a lot of penalties too right you know right. Uh, Edmonton, I think, got uh, four power plays uh, uh, last night. Yeah. You know, it's not like uh, the, the Edmonton hasn't gotten their opportunities going, uh, going on the power play against a very bad penalty kill. And listen, if you can't right. score against the Sharks on the power play, uh, you've only got yourself to blame, fam. This is one of the worst penalty kills that the Sharks have had, man, since I've been a fan and closely watching the Sharks. And we're talking about, right. you know, seven years now. I think it's stabilized lately. I think they've, they've started to find better personnel. I, to, to me, the thing that's kept the Sharks' penalty kill together this year is Martin Jones. I mean, Martin Jones has right. had a bad well, he's been, ex- he's been ex- on, on the penalty kill. On the penalty kill. Um, it seems like Hurdle's played a lot more lately on the penalty kill, certainly in the postseason. I think he's looked good there. That's an area where Hansen's helped, too. Uh, that's that's absolutely true. That's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that adds, so, he's underrated, I think, on that area as far as that. I would, oh, I would agree. I think his speed, you know, he's a constant threat there, and he's also just so smart uh, positionally. So the Oilers had 251 minor penalties this year uh, in 82 games. The Sharks had 223. So, you know, you know, about one less penalty every three games or so for the Sharks. So I, I can't say I'm really too surprised that the Sharks are, are not getting penalized as much as the Edmonton Oilers. And, you know, in addition, the Oilers are a team that has, like, I'm not surprised by the lack of discipline. Again, you know, we've seen – in the past, McClellan team with Milan Lucic and uh, Zach Cassian wearing a letter. Uh, oh. Shocking! Uh, not to question him as a in a in the locker room guy, but Lucic oh, is a bit uh, of a hot ice. That's that's yeah. what that's what he's there for. That's that's right. Part, that's uh, supposed to be a, it's not a bug. It's a feature. He's an agitator, but he also gets agitated uh, very quickly. 
you know what? Honestly, to me, this uh, you know, and, and this is only coming from certain certain members of the of the media, obviously. But you know, it's uh, it's just like it was when the Sharks played Vancouver a couple times in the playoffs. The same stuff started popping out, and it's like, listen, guys, not to go pot kettle on you, but you know. Right. Just saying, you guys got Ryan Kessler on your team, and you're gonna you're gonna right. want to talk about penalties and right. diving because listen, yeah, we don't have any time for this for you guys right now. So yeah, yeah I find it a little bit rich. Um, it's 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 been it's been funny. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty funny uh, to see that that kind of stuff. But I think the sharks the sharks made them pay last night. Um, so it'll be. I'm sorry. Finally. <laughs> It, it yeah, only finally. took them four games, but they finally decided, oh, yes, right, power plays. That's what you do on those. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. So it's going to be interesting to see if that kind of success could continue uh, in game five, uh, which, you know, I I guess we should maybe move to, unless there are other aspects of game four that you think we uh, we should cover that, you know, went particularly well. I, I mean, I think we briefly touched on it, but I, I think we should talk know, about that. One thing we touched on is they, I mean, they did a great job against Connor McDavid last night. and Yep. That was Lassick the best game against Connor McDavid, for sure. Well, Asik and Braun have maybe played their best two games in the last two months in games three and four. Yep. Uh, you wrote about it a little bit today, but you know some of that probably had to do with the fact, and their success against him was the fact that the Sharks were really pinning Edmonton in their own end last night, and McDavid took a lot of defensive zone draws. Um, but still, you know, even even with that context, it's. It ver- I, I mean, think it's very where you can get them. I mean, it does, you know, the context right. just matters just because it's nice to have the context, but you'll take the wins wherever you're getting the wins. Right. Um, and, you know, what's um, the, what was I going to say? And the way they've played lately, um, you're going to take, you're going to take that especially because of how they, I think they're starting to look more. And again, it's only two games and we'll have to see if they can do that when the Sharks don't have last change. Um, but. Right. Certainly, the the pair of them have looked more like their normal selves, which is, I think, very encouraging for the Sharks. Yep, absolutely. You know, I think honestly, one thing that's really become clear to me is that it seems like Tom McClellan doesn't really know how to use Connor McDavid effectively, um, or is just choosing not to. Um, you know, that's kind of would be a big concern for me if I'm Edmonton, because you know, it seems like they've got a well, they obviously have a flawed roster. They have kind of a, a trump card here in Connor McDavid that I thought was going to be able to be used and had been used, quite frankly, against the Sharks kind of all year in the regular season. And the usage in the postseason hasn't lined up that way. And it seems right. it's baffling because the Oilers beat the crap out of the Sharks in the last two times that they played them in the regular season. It kind of seemed like they had them figured out. And, um, you know, the Sharks have really kind of beaten themselves in their two losses that in games, you know, two and three. Well, I know? think they threw four games, I think, and I'm surprised to say this, I think San Jose's been the better team. Through the course of all four games, I think San Jose's played better than Edmonton has. I mean, listen, I think that the Sharks were quite a bit better than, than Edmonton, obviously, last night, and they were better in game one. Um, Edmonton was way better than the Sharks in Game Two. In Game right, Three, but I don't think the edge between Edmonton and San Jose in Game Three was nearly as big as the edge between Edmonton and San Jose in Game Four. Uh, no, probably not. No, and the edge in Game One was bigger than Edmonton's edge in Game Three. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So right. I, I, I over the court, which shocks me. I did not expect to be saying that after four games. But again. You know, I think it's fair to question McClellan's usage. I think we, yeah, absolutely, saw it in San Jose. 
Um, he, when he had top end talent and he, you know, he didn't have great depth, but he didn't really optimize that depth uh, as much as he could have. And then when he did have great depth, he also didn't optimize that depth. You know, What's was, interesting is now with Dreisaitl, it seems like he is optimizing the depth okay. He's now not optimizing his star power the way he should right. be, which is interesting because that to me wasn't really a complaint. It seemed like he optimized no. the star power fine in San Jose. It was everything else that was terrible. Well, you know, the comparison that I was, we were tweet, I was tweeting with, uh, tweeting at former uh, EIC, the neutral on Twitter about the, you know, the move to Dreisaitl. It's like, great. McClellan realizes to move Dreisaitl to the third line setter three years after not moving Pavelski to third line center literally uh, makes me physically ill, which, you know, frankly, I think it's a, it's fair to wonder if dry is going to move right back up to the top line for game, game four, for game five, that, which that would make, not, me, it make me feel a little bit better. Yeah. Which also might not be a terrible decision given how McDavid has done. And I, I think Edmonton's at a point where, you know, and I think you saw a little bit of this in San Jose. And I certainly, I don't have the numbers in front of me to prove it, but, you know, he, he relied on his stars up into a point. And then he didn't really let them, you know, let them ride, uh, you know, let them off the leash as much as I think he should have, particularly in the postseason. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to pull up Connor McDavid's stats right now and see how much he's playing. Um, well, while you pull that up, I think the thing is, is that if he moves Drysaddle off that third line, that t- that new Timo Meyer, uh, Tomas Hurdle oh, line, it's gonna eat them yeah, there's going to roast them. I mean, and Timo Meyer hasn't played with Drysaddle in the game. Right. Um, the thing is, is that uh, you know Timo Meyer hasn't scored yet, but he's got ten shots on goal. Um, yeah, he's. I just he is so close. Dude. He's been due all year. Yeah, you know, it's so close to for that dam to break. But like, and I, you know, I know power plays have played a role, and special teams have. You know, certainly the Oilers went to the box a lot in games one and four, but McDavid's averaging nearly two minutes less of ice time than he did in the regular season. He's allowing a minute and thirty-five seconds left less of ice time than he did in the regular season, which is baffling baffling he's the best player of the series by far Edmonton doesn't have the depth to keep up with San Jose's you know why aren't you even and I know you don't have last change on the road but you know why aren't you you can still get favorable matchups because it's not like San Jose can just play one line all the time against McDavid given how they're running their lines I just you know it, it seems it seems like he's trying to roll four lines a little more than he should be he's not, I don't feel like he's double shifting McDavid nearly enough which I think that in game five, that should be the lesson learned is double shift, double shift with yeah. McDavid. Yeah. I, I like to me, what I would do is go, is go three lines basically for as Pretty long much. as you can. Um, and maybe you put, uh, and then, you know, have dry sidle on the third line to ma- to maximize the depth because you have to go three lines. Right. Uh, right. And you use in knowing that you've got hurdle now and, uh, uh, knowing you have Timo on that on that third line, you put him out against Tierney as often as possible because you know you're going to win that matchup. Right, and that's the thing. Like Dayharday is only playing eight minutes and twenty six seconds a night, like in four games. You know, like I guess everyone's ice times a little bit, you know, changed based on the, uh, you know, based on the. I'm looking at their regular season ice time right now, but you know, McDavid still leads, you know, all players in ice time. But you know, for example. Leads Nugent Hopkins by a minute thirty-three 
in ice time. In the regular season, Connor McDavid got uh, he got three minutes and 26 seconds more total ice time per game than Ryan Nugent Hopkins did in the regular season. And, you know, it's, it's like we said, it's fascinating to be on the other side of this because it really feels like while the Sharks have played better, and I would say they have played better than Edmonton, uh, Edmonton is not doing themselves any favors by, uh, you know, you've relied on the guy all season. I know it's his first postseason, but, you know, you have, you have no problem playing Adam Larson and Oscar Clefbaum 22 minutes a night. Like, I know they're defensemen, but, you know, they're, they're just as inexperienced in the postseason as McDavid is. He's we talked about it. He's the best player on the planet. He's the MVP. Like, why isn't he? Frankly, I don't think he should be playing any less than 22 minutes a night. Yeah, it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, listen, Sidney Crosby right now is playing in a series that they're up now three games to one. But Drew is averaging, you know, is averaging 20 minutes a night. And again, a series they're up three games three to, to one. Nothing. Yeah. Three one now, right. Up comfortably, still playing 20 minutes a night. The Oilers, yeah. uh, you know, are now up uh are now in a series that's tied two two, and he's playing basically the same number of minutes. It's I mean, it, you know, I, and it, I, Trying to get a, look, a deeper look at his ice time and see how much he's playing on the power play or how much he's playing on the penalty kill. I'd imagine he's not playing a ton on the penalty kill, but even the thing still, to me is that uh, I think the reason that Tom McClellan's not being asked about this is because there's this baffling narrative in the media that uh, the Sharks have shut down Connor McDavid, which I think is kind of true in the last game, only in so much as the Edmonton Oilers as a whole played like garbage, and it's right almost true in game three even though he still had a couple of great chances so i wouldn't even really call it true but it's not really true Connor mcdavid was very good in game one was incredible just destroyed the sharks in game two listen randy hahn tried to pretend that the sharks had shut down Connor mcdavid during the commentary last night by saying well he hasn't scored at even strength yet it's like oh yeah you're right that's because yeah, he shredded the sharks <laughs> while they were on the power play you idiot but he's gone you know i'm sure mcdavid and i haven't looked at his game log but i'm sure he had droughts this season where he went three or four games where he didn't score a goal an even strength point like i don't think that's a great indicator that's why again that's why we look at possession metrics because it's a large a much larger sample and it Right. It's hard to well, find listen, any that, That's how scores work. I mean, listen, like, I think that, uh, like, Patrick Marlowe obviously is a guy that scores in bunches because, you know, that's literally what all scores do. Scoring is by nature streaky. That's the whole thing. Right. But uh, my point is that, like, it's not like some impressive thing to hold a guy scoreless, oh, in even strength, or, oh, we've held him scoreless on the power. Like, listen, the guy scoring on you while you have an extra guy on the ice is worse. That's worse if he scores on you when you have five and they have four. That's right. not when, he, when, he's yeah, when he's shorthanded, yeah. he comes Actually, down. That's worse. Just a heads up, guys. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. Bad. Just wanted to let everybody know. Right. <laughs> Opposite of the thing. Yeah, I, know. Yeah, I think he um, – yeah, he's – He's been kept relatively in check. I mean, listen, I, don't I, get wrong. I think the I think Sharks have – like, this is better than I thought down. it was going to go. Right. Correct. He hasn't been shut down, but what they're doing is – Far exceeding what I expected, um, but right. I don't think Todd McClellan's helping him very much. Uh, no. I'd almost, but frankly, I'd almost rather if I was the Sharks, I'd almost rather see Drysaddle on that third line because okay, you're going to play against Connor McDavid with Patrick Maroon and who was his other line mate last night? It was well, Zach? Yeah. It was Shepard? Yeah, Shepashev, like whoever that is. Yeah, I'm. That's I, I'm guy. sorry, but like you know, like, 
if there are any Oilers fans listening, but I'd be much more scared of a, a top line with with um, with Leon Dreisaitl there than with Anton Slepeshev. You know, the guys, the guy had ten points in forty-one games this year. Right. Um, I know that there was some talk about some concern that that Dreisaitl was uh was was injured. Also, there was yeah, like Mike some Johnson talk about that. that. He's yeah. missed, um, missed the two skates. He missed the skates before game three and game four. Right. So, you know, there's also some, you know, something to think about. So for whatever that's worth, I think probably not that much. He's going to play. Well, you know, so. you never know. He, he might have, you know, maybe it's a good thing he didn't skate before game four because you, the Sharks pulled allegedly pulled some shenanigans by not letting the Oilers go out of the ice that's right not, away. not allegedly. That literally happened. <laughs> So, uh, uh, I, I was on. Should, uh, we should touch yeah. on that briefly. Um, what an incredible level of gamesmanship! Whether or that's not so, it worked, that's, that's the the fact that, that turned into I've a, ever heard. that turned into a like that, that was a story on TSN, like maybe just online. But what an incredible uh, <laughs> like bait and switch! Oh no, I got a. I was on a TSN radio this morning. They asked me about it. Oh my gosh! In Edmonton radio. Oh yeah. So uh, he said. Uh, he said just. Uh, well, you asked if I'd heard about it, and obviously I had, and said, uh, just wait to see what the Oilers have planned for the Sharks. I, 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 I'm, I'm just awaiting this absurd, like, you know, chicken, game of chicken between, like, uh, between franchises, almost like, you know, you know, a, a prank war between, like, Jim Halpert and Dwight Schrute is about to, like, about to emerge. Like, I just, I think it's fascinating. Like, well, did, that I hope, really, I don't, did that have any effect on the Oilers? Like, no, but I hope that Oilers do something so that then the Sharks can fill uh, all of the um, all of the Oilers hotel rooms with lottery balls before Game Six. Oh, that's, that's that's what I would do. That's, that's the, the ultimate escalation. goal move. Yeah, yeah well, that's the escalation. If the Sharks win the NHL draft lottery, uh, when or where? When? Uh, who knows? We don't get to play this year. No, I'm, I'm asking because maybe the next time the Sharks – if that happens during the series, maybe the Sharks will – oh, it doesn't happen during the series. If it did, the Sharks would show it on the Jumbotron. <laughs> well, maybe uh, maybe they'll be able to show, like, historic Oilers highlights and just show uh, uh, draft lottery. It's just lottery. draft lottery. Yeah, I'm, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping we see the trolling uh, go beyond just arena practices. But I was, I was reading that – I was reading that yesterday. I was like, really? Like – yeah, I didn't know. Is, I didn't know the sharks I, were at that something level. Something is being made out of this. Like, oh my! I just thought it was so funny. Like, I mean, good on the sharks for like doing whatever. Like, and just saying, oh yeah. Like, I'm, I wish more teams were this petty, frankly. But like, the fact that it then turned into a talking point, I just can't wait till it's blamed for a game. Uh, it's a. Uh, I guess it's, it has been a while since the sharks played a Canadian team in the playoffs. I'd forgotten that this is what happens when they do. <laughs> Everything what was the last time they played a Canadian team? Vancouver. <laughs> When yeah. they swept them, yeah, that was yeah. funny. Hey, remember that? Remember when uh, Patrick Marlowe scored the overtime winner with a Sedin in the penalty box for a fake penalty? That was remember? very funny. That was pretty funny. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, good times. Uh, All right. Yeah, no, I, I'm hoping. I'm I'm excited to see what the Oilers pull tomorrow. I'm I'm guessing it'll end up being like a a big deal. Uh, the thing yeah. is, Tom McClellan is historically not fun at all. So I don't know. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna. If he he might not devolve into it, but certainly well, I think the not order. not after they lost seven nothing. Uh, I'm thinking that the prank war may stop now. It's over. <laughs> yeah, it's like nah, You know what, guys? Uh, 
Uh, did you see uh, uh, what one one good thing? One thing I do miss about Tom McClellan is he was a really really good quote. Um, I yes. really liked watching it. His post game interviews were absolutely spectacular. Yeah, last night. Um, he, some, last night. Somebody asked him to this morning, or I said uh, because reporters don't ask questions; they just say things, and then coaches say things back. Guilty. Um, yeah. Oh, don't we all? Uh, it's a conversation, man. All right. Do you just yeah. ask your friends things? No. Uh, somebody said, ah, the, sh- the Sharks offense woke up a little bit and he kind of like squeaked back a little bit. And anyway, and his, uh, his voice is just, it was, it was he incredible. Had, he, had some I, good, I, he had some good lines. Like, he had some great, very short answers last night. Somebody asked him like a yes, no. And he just said, no. Like, <laughs> I highly recommend and then, and, then he, and then he provided a little bit of elaboration, but, uh, he, uh, yeah, he did not. It was, it was good. It was enjoyable. I, hi- I highly recommend you watch, uh, all of it. Honestly, yeah. Get a bucket of ice cream and just enjoy yourself. And just enjoy. Yeah, but we'll, we'll. I mean, we'll see what kind of adjustments he makes. Uh, I haven't, you know, I haven't had a chance really to see what the Oilers did at practice today. I'm not even sure if they did practice or if both probably tra- might have traveled uh, today. Uh, maybe, maybe they got a skate in San Jose. Uh, they left. Uh, they left this morning. The Oilers did. Uh, yeah, they, they were saying on the broadcast last night that they were going to stay in San Jose last night and leave this morning. So Mark. my assumption is that they maybe they practice this afternoon and then maybe, but they'll you know have a skate tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's hit we'll, these. Questions probably when we'll find the- out uh, who's going to you know draw in the lineup. But imagine the the Sharks will not make any changes. One person we know who will not be joining them on the trip to Edmonton though is Kevin LeBanc, who you and I called for to get a look. In the lineup uh, ahead of Game Four, again shows what it always seems to happen. We we think we have the solution, and then lo and behold, the one game in which the team decides, oh yeah, we can score goals in a hockey game is last night. Uh, what do you think of a bank's demotion? Um, you know, certainly not surprised after they score seven goals that the Sharks aren't going to make any changes to the lineup. Um, I think that it's good though that they at least, at the very least, decided. You know, they made they did make some of the changes that we that we asked for in terms of breaking up some of the groups that were yes. not working. So yeah. as long as they did that, that that certainly seems to have worked. Um, you know, it's great news for the Barracuda who are going to, I think, win some hockey games and win some series in the AHL playoffs. Well, yeah, it gives them another gives them another scoring winger. I mean, you know, it didn't it didn't turn into a huge loss, uh, but you know. They did lose Nikolai Goldobin at the trade deadline. That's a scoring winger who they were down. And Kevin LeBanc is at a point a game in 19 games with the Barracuda. I wrote today that that's third most among rookies that have played at least 15 games this year, which, you know, still a small sample, but the guy can de- the kid can definitely hack it at the, uh, at the lower level. And then I think it's, I mean, it's just good that he'll be playing. I think uh, is yeah, it's been a long time since he's played now. I mean, the Barracuda yeah. will have gone a week, about without playing a game, I think right. they played on Saturday. They'll be yeah. opening uh, their series on Friday at home against Stockton. They do Friday. It's going to be a three-game weekend in San Jose. We got the, the the Barracuda hosting the Heat on Friday. Sharks host the Oilers on Saturday, potentially an elimination game, one way or the other. And uh, then the uh, Barracuda host the Heat again Sunday afternoon. Yep. Uh, Right, exactly. So uh, let's hit some of these questions in the chat before we move on to previewing the uh, the next game. Uh, let's see. 
Um, I actually don't know what this question means. Do you think McDavid will turn into a pre-responsible Crosby? I don't know what that means. Do you know what that means? Decipher oh, this man. for me. Uh, maybe before Crosby developed his, uh, you know, response before Crosby developed his defensive responsibilities in terms of the offensive ability that McDavid has. That's what I, I think it could mean. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think he and Crosby definitely play. I think McDavid has shades of Crosby in his game, but I think they definitely play differently. Uh, Crosby, I don't think, plays with the same pace that McDavid does. I think Crosby's a little more deliberate. That doesn't mean he's slow. It just means he's, you know, he's capable off the rush, but I think he's a guy who, uh, you know, is not does not wow anybody with his speed. Certainly wows guys with his skating ability and edge control, but I would not say he wows players with his speed. Uh, Brett Hedekin was on 95.7 the other day, and he said that uh, McDavid kind of reminded – he said that what he'd heard and also to himself was, you know, McDavid had, uh, you know, the characteristics of, you know, of a Pavel Bure in terms of skating – Mario Lemieux as well. And then I, I think he might've also said Gretzky, which, you know, three very, very good players. But, you know, I think the Beret comp, I think was a pretty accurate one for McDavid. He's probably a little bit more of a setup guy than Beret was, but I mean, the same top end speed. Uh, but I do think, I do think McDavid's a pretty responsible uh, defensive player. I just don't think he's been asked to do a lot uh, defensively in this series. Um, you know, you, but you watch him in the, in the world cup of hockey. And he was a, you know, he was, he was, a, I think if I recall correctly in every situation player, which he is for Edmonton, but it's not the same uh, level of responsibility. And in a tournament where you have an under 23 team, you have to rely on the 20 year old in those situations. Uh, when you're on the NHL team, on the other hand, uh, Todd McClellan turning, turning the keys over entirely to a 20 year old is something um, that I don't think anybody really expected. But yeah, I think he's, He's very, very good. Uh, I think he's he's already the best player in the league, if not, you know, you know, he's top three, if not the best player in the league. I mean, I don't know if he'd have my MVP vote. If I could vote for MVP, I still think Crosby's had a pretty unbelievable season. Um, but, you know, you can't go wrong with either of those two guys, in my opinion, for MVP this year. Oh, uh, so he he was he was calling. I think he was referring to uh, dirty slash diving in terms of responsible, which I think is bullshit. So, oh, uh, oh yeah, I mean, so, that, that I don't just, think I. Let me, I don't David, think, you know, he gave he gave uh, Couture a lick last night. Uh, you know, I don't I don't think Crosby's a I don't think Crosby's a diver. I think every player in the league embellishes. If if, if embellishment wouldn't be used if it didn't work, that's what right. I. I mean, listen. I think I think you have to have to sell sell it a little bit, otherwise you don't get the calls. I do not think uh, McDavid has the same mean streak though that Crosby does, and I think Crosby no. developed that. That's something that comes with age, I think, because Crosby didn't really develop that until like you know guys were you know quote unquote taking liberties with him, and he just basically got fed up. Like even you know you, I, I frankly, two of the guys that I most been surprised to see it in, you know, early in his career, Mark Edward Vlasic, I did not think had a mean streak. Uh, but he's he gotten, know. he's turned into a meaner player. I, I think that's a thing that comes with age though. I think Joe you know, Thornton is another guy that's a real, uh, real dickhead. Well, I think uh, he was, that, I think Joe was more hot headed when he was younger, certainly in Boston. He's, he's, he's still like that. That guy, he's, he, yeah, he, I mean, listen, that he's a guy that, you, but he's I mean, really, like, he's obviously really he, since he was in Boston. Um, 
I mean, listen, like in that, Boston, he was, if you get him going, he was fighting like, you know, all the time. Well, right. I know, but he's a guy that'll take cheap shots now oh, for yeah. no reason. Yeah. Yeah. All the time. I just all think, the time but I think for just guys, no reason. I think most guys do that. I don't think, you know, I think a lot of guys do that. Right. But I, what I'm saying is I think that's something that like doing it for no reason is something like, that is developed with age. Yes, agree, agree. This is yeah. what, more what I'm getting at. I, th- I don't think it's as much of a content. Like, oh, I can get away with this. Like, Correct. I've been around like, long right, he's just like he's sticking guys right. in the ribs and stuff, you know, Yeah. which is, uh, yikes. But Joe's probably another guy who got fed up, you know. This guy played in a playoff series with a punctured lung, and then Boston, the Boston media were like, yeah, we're going to run you out of town. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yep. Sharks are still better. Let's see, the uh, Boston media's run out of guy. That guy, the guy with cancer, uh, the guy who, the guy who lived with his mom in Europe because he was partying too much. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, moving team. on, they could have had Brad Marchand, uh, Tyler Sagan, and Patrice Bergeron for less than what the Blackhawks are playing, ta- paying Taves and Kane. Whoops. Yeah. Let's see. Do-do-do. That was also from the neutral. <laughs> Uh, do you think that we'll see Haley in this series? No. Uh, they have to get embarrassed in game five. And also like, no, I just don't, I don't see it. This is, I think, I think De- we've criticized DeBoer. DeBoer recognizes this is not a series for Michael Haley. Especially now that Marcus Sorensen has scored. Um, right. I feel and like they feel like looked really good last night. I think he, he had maybe, again, another guy who had maybe his best game in Teal. Uh, he was a good fit in the bottom six. Yeah, I think. You know, there's been a lot in the media about the the physicality of this series. I think DeBoer recognizes that, you know, while Edmonton may be winning in the physical department, excuse me, they you still need to keep up with their skating ability and their speed, and Sorensen helps with that. Whereas, you know, Haley can motor a little bit, but he's not as good of a skater as Marcus Sorensen. Frankly, it, you know, should they advance, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, he's, I think he's more likely to draw in in a series against Anaheim than he is in a series against Edmonton. Yeah, I think so too, because Anaheim has a lot less speed. Um, I think it's worth noting that um, the team that has led the game in hits has uh, not won in this series. Right. Oh, just, just, a, just a little heads right. up. Hey, some will say that, you know, physical, those that say the Sharks need to be more physical will argue that the physicality goes beyond uh, hits. And I would also argue that judging hits as a proxy for physicality, a stat that is frankly so subjective is just a disaster yeah. waiting it's to happen. Insane. But the thing is, is that those, but then, right, this is how it always works, right? Because they'll use hit the hit stat to say, look at how physical the sharks are. And then when you say, oh, look, when I point out that say stat, they'll say, well, the hit stat oh, is not a good course. That's, okay. That's well, Always here we are, but right? I, I, Good I for you. Because no, I mean, the hit stat is garbage. Even, even but they use it when they, they want to. Even track shots differently. That's why we have venue adjusted, you know, yep. coursey four percentage. Because you think hits are going to be tracked the same? No. And until no, we get not. until we get NBA style sport view player tracking that can like actually detect what a hit right. is and when a player makes contact, um, that's a stat that I've always ignored. No, yeah, but the hit stat is, uh, is, is literally the worst. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the hit stat is literally the worst stat in the, uh, in the NHL, which uh, became uh, abundantly clear in game three when the Sharks had, what, like 40 hits in the first five minutes of the game or whatever. Right. It's like, wow, man, did the Sharks literally pay the scorekeeper by the hit? Or uh, right. 
go to one. Right. Um, let's see. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. I think that covers covers the questions. I think we're good. Cool. Uh, so, so expectations from uh, from game five. I mean, I pretty much expect that Edmonds is going to put on a pretty, pretty big push. So as much as Martin Jones has been great this series, I think they're going to need him to be very good at the beginning of uh, – yeah, I'm expecting a much better game from Edmonton. I think with last – with last change, I think McClellan is going to make – they're going to make adjustments. They're not going to come out and play the same way they did last game. How they change remains to be seen. But I think uh, – yeah, I expect Edmonton to play a lot better. I think I think the winner of game five, though, is going to win the series. I, I, yeah, I, I think so too. I think even, even if the Oilers win, I, I still think this – you know, I think I said on the last show that I thought if the Sharks tied it, I thought it was going to go seven games. Or maybe I said that off the air. Regardless, retroactively, I'm making that my prediction. Um, In the moment right now, I think the winner of Game 5 is going to win the series. Um, That doesn't mean the Sharks can't win if they lose Game 5, but you definitely want to get off on the right foot. Um, You know, I just, you know, the Sharks really have only played two great periods on the road this series, so they need to really channel what worked in the second and third period of Game 1 other than being down by two goals. And, um, you know, and uh, tap back into that. But, I, you know, so, yeah, I, I, I do expect a much better Edmonton team. Martin Jones is going to have to continue to play well. And, you know, frankly, the Logan Couture that we saw last game and the Joe Thornton we saw last game are going to have to, you know, play the same. You know, Thornton will probably be a lot less sheltered this game. Um, I'd imagine DeBoer will still look to get him quite a bit of offensive zone faceoffs, but he's – He's not going to have his pick of the litter of competition to go against. Um, and then Vlasic and, yeah, Vlasic and Braun, they need to show that game three and game four were not flukes, that they can continue to play well against, uh, you know, Connor McDavid. They, they played pretty well against him in, in game four – or not game four, excuse me, the last regular season game of the season when they were on home ice. They need to have a good game on the road against McDavid. Otherwise, I mean, the Sharks don't have home ice, so they, they can't win the series otherwise. Yeah, I think Joe Thornton is going to be the key to game five for me because I think while he played well in game four, you know, having obviously home ice gave the Sharks kind of uh, obviously a leg up in that department. So we'll see. We'll see if he's able to continue to kind of do what he was able to do there. And, you know, he was able to rest for a lot of lot of that last game. You know, they, didn't, they benched him for the end of the game, which was obviously a, a kind of a nice luxury to have. So, um you know, it's just gonna be one of those things. If they can, if they can get up early and you know, kind of be able to to hold on to a lead, that would be that would be really huge for them because I think they're they're not in a position just fatigue wise and injury wise to be chasing games again. I know they were able to do it in game one, and I know that this is a team that I really like the resiliency of. Obviously, I don't think yeah. it's a mental thing at all. Just from just a physical, physical standpoint, the physical makeup of the team. Yeah, it's just. It's, it is hard to chase it for them to chase, especially teams. a young team like the Oilers, right? So that that to me is the biggest thing. It be you know they really it's going to be down to to how Joe Thornton is able to play, and and you know if they can get up early, then then they're in business. I think. Yeah, I think um, I think they need to play. They need to play with a lead. Uh, yep. And quite frankly, I think that you know it's worth at this point you know. If they can get into Edmonton's head and get an early get up early, then I think that that honestly becomes a factor at this point because I think that Edmonton has shown that they do not don't have it mentally here. Yeah, I don't I think, like putting the fragile label on teams. No, this no. is an area where I think their inexperience can come into play. Is you know the lack of hey we've done this together as a group, uh, even though I I think the 
you know, they're too young to know any better. All those cliches about uh, inexperienced teams. Look, Connor McDavid's played in big games his whole life. The guy's won World Junior Championships. Like, he's he's played in big games before. Uh, all these guys really have. So you know, I like the Sharks' odds. Though, if they can put up a couple goals early and and really get in the get get into Edmonton's head again, I think that really comes down to just. It's not even really about like the playoff inexperience. It's just the fact that the way this team is coached. I talked about this on a. Uh, and it, uh, you know, I was on the radio this morning, is that it feels like Todd McClellan coached teams do really well when they can get up early and really, yes. you know, put, they're good at putting the boot heel on the throat, but they are not constructed well to come back in games. It feels like they're the kind of teams that like, they're good at putting the, ga- the foot on the gas and the, you know, going, but once they get down, it feels like they are more well, you know, they're, they're, they're headed towards a disaster. You know, it feels like that's just the way that the teams are. I think, yeah, I think both teams in the series are not built to chase a game. Uh, the Sharks. Well, right. I think for different reasons. Right. Of course. And I, but I think, you know, you trust, and I think that is a fair difference. And I, I'm curious as to what the, you know, our folks about north of the border made of that assessment uh, with the McClellan coach team. I think that's a fair point. I mean, you know, last year's Sharks team was a lot more resilient. Uh, you know, the roster construction was different, but. You know, the core of that group was really the same as what the Sharks had under Todd McClellan, and it felt like that was a team that, you know, could come back from can come back from deficits. And also, you know, you know, last year, for example, game five, the Sharks go up three nothing on the Kings. Kings come back, score three goals, gives us all a heart attack. But I never really in that I was kind of still, even when it was tied, I'm like, man, I still think the Sharks have this. If that was a McClellan coach team, and maybe this is recency bias. I don't think I would have had that same feeling. Right. I feel like there was a com- there's a calmness about these Pete DeBoer teams that you didn't have yes. with McClellan. It's like the, there's an emotional level that McClellan wants his guys to play with. And I feel like there's a, a good part of that. You're playing – if there's just, you know, there's a volatility to it. And so you take the good with the bad. And I think with Pete DeBoer, there's just uh, – don't, they don't get too high and they don't get too low. And, you know, listen, there are pros and cons to that approach as well. I think you see that too in the – you know, the usage, I think you see that, you know, DeBoer's a guy who will mix up his lines and his short and his bench in a game, but throughout the season, he's been pretty reluctant to break up lines that are working and pretty reluctant to break up defensive pairings. Uh, Todd McClellan did not have the same patience with the trigger finger. Yep, absolutely. So yeah. it's going to be an interesting game tomorrow. I still feel like, I feel like this series is going to be over. And a month later, we're not going to have had a great feel for this series. I think that's just the oh, way it's yeah, going to go. Gonna it's not happening. Like, how did that happen? How did right. they either? How did the Sharks lose, or how did they win? Yeah, we're we might yeah. not know for ten years. Yep. Until the thirty for thirty about the Oilers' first cup with McDavid is made, or the thirty for thirty about the Sharks' first ever cup is made. Yep, absolutely. Um, I, I I asked this on Twitter today, and I think this is uh, we'll we'll end with this about. Um, you know, I said this is one of the weirdest shark series that I can remember. You know, and just thinking in recent history, uh, someone brought up the Colorado series from two thousand ten. Oh, I feel like oh. that's a, not a bad comp. You know, I was thinking about the Dan Boyle own goal, and I was like, "Wow, you oh, know what? Man. Huh? Yeah, that that feels right." So to me, those, those are right- games that the Sharks obliterated the Avs in each right. of those games. Yep. Their goaltending, Nabokov played so badly the first three games of that series, like. So, I mean, the second, the third game, you can't blame him for the crazy deflection that I still maintain Ryan O'Reilly got a piece of that. You know, Dan Boyle did not just 
whiff a backhander like that. Like Ryan O'Reilly def- changed direction on that. But, you know, in game one, uh, Nabby faced like 20 shots and he gave up like three goals. And then in game two, he faced like 20 and he gave up four. Like, you know, it's just brute. That was a very weird, weird in a different way. That was weird. I still felt the Sharks would win. This one's weird in that I legitimately have no idea who's going to win this series. This is a coin flip series. Yeah. The Sharks should not win this series because they're playing half dead. But then there's the Oilers. Right. Who, <laughs> wow, they don't, exactly. There they are, baby. Still have Edmonton you're, lined up across you're from the Oilers. Yeah, so exactly. There's always, there's always a chance. Yes. So uh, let's check in on our friends at Calgary and Anaheim before we end this. Do we have a score there? It is um, wow. NHL.com's taking its sweet time here. It's uh, two nothing Anaheim. So that that's that's going great. Calgary has absolutely dominated Anaheim in that series, and our good friend Brian Elliott, uh, totally useless goaltender that he is, has just not shown up. Playing he, tonight? Uh, oh, who else do they have? Chad Johnson. Uh, does he know that he's not playing the Kings? Yeah, I, I just, that's. I feel really good. I went on the uh, St. Louis Blues podcast, you know, last time the Sharks played them, and I just I said something totally not. I was like, ah, he's just not a very good goaltender. And they just lost their Have mind. Have invited on since? Uh, you know what? No, they didn't ask me back. But I hope that they ask me on now because I, uh, I feel pretty vindicated. I think he's put up a. Uh, like a an eight hundred something in this series, so yeah, he's, he's not been a great playoff goalie. Hit Hitch, Hitch appears to have maximized him. The goalie whisperer uh, with Brian Elliott, but then you see how Jake Allen's playing <laughs> against the Wild, and you're like, yikes! Yeah, um, yeah, that's been a, that's another that's another weird series. Though. The Wild are actually winning this game, uh, one nothing, uh, thankfully. Uh, when will we? We will be not probably be back next until the series ends. That is correct. So I think in Tuesday. Yeah, we uh we both uh have some ill-timed uh on assignment uh on assignment commitments uh that are gonna keep us away from potting until the series is over. Uh, so we won't. But that means we'll give us we'll give everyone the best analysis possible. Exactly. Um, we're just as opposed it. to you know giving them our worst after uh, each mediocre, game. yeah, yeah. suboptimal uh, analysis. So yeah, we'll be back on Tuesday breaking down either what went right for San Jose or what went wrong. I think, you know, I said whoever wins game five is going to win the series. Um, who's who's going to win the series, Jake? Who do you got and how many games? Has your prediction changed? Uh, uh, no, I still think Edmonton wins the next two games. So, okay. Because uh, that would be what would be most inconvenient for both of us. So I feel right. like that's absolutely what's going to happen. I've, so I've, I'm really uh, hoping I've, San Jose wins the series in seven games. That would be best case scenario. San Jose wins in seven? That's what I hope happens. Yeah, I that's what I'm. That's what I'm going for. Uh, I've I've become wishy washy. I think they've. they've no, 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 Marcus, you've been wishy washy your entire life. You're yeah, wishy washy white. That's my special. That's my specialty. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm gonna go sharks in seven. I I do think it'll come down. Um, you know, because that then that means that I think that both of these teams will win their next road games, which is even bolder and far crazier than many would expect. So um, you went wishy washy. To make two bold takes. Yeah, wow. exactly. Very good, right? Nice. Um, so, yeah, the Sharks will win two road games. Edmonton will win game six. I think the Sharks win tomorrow. I think they eke out a win. Uh, and we're going to be talking about their matchup with the Anaheim Ducks. 
Just because you said that Calgary is going to come back and yeah, win exactly. four straight. Hey, I, listen, if the Ducks lose, I'm not going to be too unhappy. How could anybody be unhappy? All right, well, that sounds good. You can follow Marcus at Marcus P. White. I'm on Twitter at Jake Sundstrom. Uh, I think that's it. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes if you uh, prefer to subscribe, uh, listen to the podcast in that format. Searching Fear the Fin on iTunes. We'll talk to you guys on Tuesday.